0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other in Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Alice Collins, and I am a member here at Midtown. I serve on the women's leadership team, and I also have the great privilege and joy to serve you as part of Midtown's staff. Um, I'm just so excited to see you guys here. I'm an extrovert by nature, and so I missed so many of your faces um, over this last year and a half. But as I look out, I see some faces that I don't recognize. Maybe you're checking Midtown out, kicking the tires, as my dad would say, or you're checking out Jesus. We are so super happy that you're here. We'd love to talk to you about that. We offer frequently to take people to lunch or coffee, and we really sincerely mean that, so please take us up on that. We'd love to walk with you a little bit, help you get connected to a family where you can grow um, in your knowledge of Jesus and in your um, relationships with people who um, follow after him. And, you know, Midtown's not the only, don't tell Jake this, Midtown's not the only church in town. And we know lots of great pastors, and so if Midtown's not the fit for you, like, help us, let you, help you to find a place where you can really fit. So we're really glad you're here. Um, today we're going to stop, or we're not going to stop, we're going to finish our series in Proverbs, but if you do me a favor, it would be really helpful for me if we could just pray for just a sec. Lord, um, you know there's a lot going on right now, and so I just want to ask you for two things, simple things. Could you calm my heart and could you keep me focused? Could you help me uh, to speak the words that you had planned long before I ever decided to do this? Um, Lord, you are good, and I trust you for all things. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. So hey, I believe words are important and words mean things and words have power. And so I get to talk about communication today to end our series called Foolproof. So if you remember back at the beginning, Jake asked us to ask ourselves a question. I think this is the most helpful question you could ever ask yourself. I wish I had this question 50 years ago, but I've got it now so I use it. And the question is this, simply what's the wise thing for me to do? Now I don't know about you, but that's not um, that's not robust enough of a question for me because I think I would think, well, I don't really know what the wise thing to do is. So Je- so Jake flex- fleshed that out for us a little more and said, considering our past experiences, our current circumstances, and our future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for us to do. Not what's the best thing or the most expedient or the thing that everyone else is going to agree with, but for you, what's the best thing or the wise thing for you to do? Because all of our past experiences are different. All of our current circumstances are different. So what the wise thing for you to do may be very different than the wise thing for me. And so what we're going to talk about is using our words wisely. Now, let me just tell you up front, I don't do that very well frequently. And there are even people in this room that can tell you that. Um, there are people in this room that I've hurt with my words, and there's people in this room, hopefully, that I've helped with my words as well. But we're going to talk about words today, because words have incredible amounts of power. Think with me, if you will. God spoke, and he said, let there be light. And from nothing, there was light. He, sa- he spoke, and he said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, and out of nowhere came every single piece of vegetation we see in our world today. Words have incredible power. And words have meaning. I said that to my girls all the time. Words have meaning, you guys. Um, And when God speaks, it means something. Proverbs um, 18, 21 says, the tongue tongue has the power of life and death. I don't know. That's pretty significant to me. And um, I would be remiss if I did not, warn you that Jesus had something to say about this too. Um, And what he said was, I tell you the truth that everyone, everyone will give an account at the day of judgment for every empty word spoken. The word empty there is careless um, or could be translated careless. It really means lazy. It means not putting the amount of effort or work into what you should do. Which means there's an expectation in my mind. There's an expectation that I'm going to think about and consider the words that come out of my mouth. It's not lost on me that the scriptures say, be slow to speak. Because you ought to be thinking about what you have to say. And sometimes I'm not slow to speak. So, but I think we've kind of confused or lost entirely this understanding of what we're going to talk about today, which are the biblical concepts of blessing and cursing. So when I sneeze, you say, bless you. I don't think that's what we're talking about. When we talk about cursing, um, we either start going all Harry Potter-ish and start thinking about turning things into toads, or we have reduced cursing to this list of words that, are, that really are inappropriate, right? Um, when the Bible talks about blessing and cursing, the Bible is talking about words that do something in our lives. They, they uh, encourage us, they lift us up, they motivate us, or they break us. And we all know what those words are like right? Those words that break us. Maybe you grew up in a family where you had parents who said, you know, you're never going to amount to anything, or I can't believe you're that stupid. Cliff and I grew up in a family, in families like that, um, and those words were banned in our home, Like you would get a much more, our girls got much more severe punishments for saying those kinds of words, idiot, stupid, those kinds of things, than they did for most things. That was how serious it was to us. That was what we recognized as power that happened in our lives, curses that were spoken over our lives that impacted us forever until we found Jesus and he transformed us. But we also know about those opportunities where where we're blessed. So I'll I was fortunate enough when, if you were here a few months ago, you heard me tell my story about how I came to faith. And at one point in time, I spent 20 years on the runway trying to figure this guy out named Jesus. And at 27, 28, I did what I call sliding my chips across the table, and I went all in. Like, I was there. I was following Jesus, and I I agreed with Paul. If this is all a hoax, then I am to be the most pitied of all. Um, But I went all in with Jesus, and I fell into a church that really believed in investing in people like Midtown. So I fell in with uh, with an elder and his wife, and little did I know, I didn't find out for probably three or four years, that they only took on the special cases, if that gives you any indication about me, Um, And they loved me really well. They invited me over for, for a meal every week. I went to Bible study at their house every week. So they saw me at least twice a week and Sundays. But these nights that I would go over for dinner, we would have this great meal and then... Uh, Bill, the husband, would sit down with me and he would answer the questions I fired at him because I wanted to know this God and this Jesus and this church that I had hooked myself up with. And so he would sit down with me faithfully every week and, and he would do the same thing. I would watch him as he thought as I'm firing questions at him trying to get some kind of a pattern or what am I looking for? And then he would, I forgot my Bible, I'm so sorry. There were printed Bibles back in those days. It was so long ago. Um, he would open up his Bible, and he would tell me to turn to a passage, and we would start working through that passage. And the first thing we'd do is he'd walk me through, what does it say? What did the actual words on the page say? What did it mean to the first person that heard it? So if Jesus was talking to his disciples, what did it mean to them? Um, and then what does it mean to us today? Like, what can we glean from this information? And then how do I respond to that? So based on what I learned about God or myself or the world that I, in which I live, what, how do I respond or what do I do to respond to that? And I didn't know. He was teaching me something we call today the three-step Bible study method. Really simple. Anybody could do it. Well, the day came when his four children, God bless his wife, she has so many jewels for those nights that she put those babies to bed without him um the kids lost their mind all four of them they're pandemonium upstairs and I can hear it and Bill gets upstairs gets gets up to go upstairs and says I'll be right back comes back 15 minutes later and says this isn't going to work tonight and so he hands me this little card and on this card there's three verses and he says to me hey I want you to read these verses pray about it and then come back next week and we'll talk and he's ushering me out the door, because if you know me, you know I can talk. Jake's greatest fear is I'll still be here tomorrow. Anyway, um, so he's pushing me out the door, and I turn around to start objecting, because, you see, I, was, I grew up in a tradition where you did not open the Bible, because you weren't smart enough, you weren't equipped enough, you didn't have training You you didn't open the Bible. It was dangerous, as a matter of fact. And I still had that at 27. That curse, or what I learned, was spoken over me, and it kept me. I'd been in this church for a year and a half, never opened the Bible on my own. They told me to, but I didn't do it because I was afraid. What if I screwed up? And so I said to him, hey, Bill, I don't know. I don't feel really comfortable about this. Like, let's just talk about it next week. And he looked at me, and he went, Like, what are you talking about? We've been doing this for months. You know how to do this. You'll be fine. And and I stepped out of his house, stepped onto the porch, and I swear to you, something changed. I didn't know what it was at the time, I can tell you now, but I didn't know what it was at the time. But what happened in that moment when he said to me, you can do this, is that curse that somebody or something spoke over me that said I wasn't smart enough, intelligent enough, able to read the word of God and learn anything was broken completely. And he launched me in this direction where I became a voracious consumer, eater, feeder of the word of God. And that was back in the day before study Light, before the internet, before any of that stuff. And you have to buy books to do this. And there would be books scattered on my kitchen table that could seat eight people. And it would be covered. And I would just study about God. And I learned about God. I learned to know him. I learned about myself. I learned about the gift that he had given me. I learned all these things. We all can learn these things. Let me say right here, don't ever believe any of us that stand up here on a platform just because we're standing up here on a platform or because you're listening to a podcast. Don't ever do it. Find out for yourself. You can, you can, you can, you can. Changed my life. One of the things I found in that process is that the the things we're talking about today blessing and cursing the God that we worship he's a blesser he's a blesser and why do I say that well we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 1 and in Genesis 1 God says God actually blesses man and says to him be fruitful and multiply that's the first thing he does with man is he blesses him and in, and in uh, Genesis 9, he blesses Noah. In Genesis 12, he blesses Abraham and tells him he's going to make him a great nation. In Genesis twelve, or excuse me, 17, he blesses Sarah and he blesses Ishmael. In Genesis 24, he blesses Rebecca. That's just the first half of Genesis. There's another 65 Bible uh, books of the Bible. God blesses people. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and we know that he is the perfect representation of God. John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we know Jesus is God. And it says that in, later in John that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said of himself in John 14, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So looking at what Jesus did is probably really helpful to understand how Jesus blessed people. Because I'd argue that anytime time Jesus met anyone, they had the opportunity to be blessed by him. Not everybody took him up on that opportunity. Today, not everybody takes him up on that opportunity. But when you encounter Jesus, you have an opportunity to be blessed. And so thinking about those people, let's think about the woman at the well. We know the woman at the well. She'd been married five times. The guy she was with right now wasn't even her husband. She was an outcast in her society. She went out to draw water in the middle of the day because she couldn't go with the women. Sorry, girls, but you know how we are. Like, we gossip, and we talk about people behind our backs, and we're not nice, and I'm not letting you guys off the hook either because you're not any better. But the reality is she would not go with her appears to the well because she was embarrassed and humiliated and she meets this guy Jesus he shows up on the scene and one he shouldn't have been talking to her because she was a woman of all things and then she was a Samaritan woman so she really he really shouldn't have been talking to her and yet he engages with her we know that that's stunning because the disciples come back and the first thing they're thinking is what the heck is he doing talking to her And Jesus exposes himself to her as Messiah, the one that she's been looking for. And he offers her springs of living water. And what happens? Her life is transformed. She goes to her community. She says, come and see the man who told me everything. And the community has changed because Jesus spoke a blessing into this woman's life that transformed her life and transformed a community. And then there's Zacchaeus, the guy up in the tree, right? Little guy. We sang a song about him if you went to Sunday school. Um, Zacchaeus was a pariah in his environment. He was a tax collector, which was a disgusting thing, probably only one step up from being a woman. But he also lined his pockets... With the jews money he was hated in his community and yet jesus chose him to go have dinner with when you had dinner with somebody in that society you shared your life with them and we don't exactly know what jesus said to him but as a result of jesus being in this man's life he gave back all the money he stole oh that's transformational to me the one that hits me probably the most is Peter himself. And the reason I identify with Peter is because I am Peter. I overpromise and I underdeliver. And I remember the night that Peter um, shared that Last Supper with Jesus. And Peter, like, I just enter into Peter so fully. Peter's sitting there, and Jesus tells them that someone's going to betray him. And Peter says, no, not me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. As a matter of fact, Lord, if it takes it, I will go to death with you, right? I'm I'm with you until the wheels fall off all the way. And I can see Jesus looking at him and saying, Peter, tonight, before the cock crows, you're going to die me three times. Now, I think about Jesus in that circumstance, and I believe, and I think the scriptures bear me out, that Jesus is exuding nothing but kind, gentle love towards Peter. As a matter of fact, he tells Peter, I'm, pr- I pr- I'm praying for you. Given the situation, given what he knew, he could have looked at Peter. I might have looked at Peter and said, Pfft. You are going to go out there and you're going to deny the fact you even know me. Don't, 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 don't overcommit. That's how I might have responded. But that's not the way Jesus responded. Jesus responded to him with this blessing. And so, indeed, we know Peter goes out and Peter does indeed betray him. And then there's that moment in history where Peter and Jesus, after the cock crows, their eyes lock. And I don't know, but I'm guessing that the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment fell on Peter like bricks. And we know that that's true because he went out, the scriptures tell us he went out and he wept bitterly. He felt disqualified, like he had let Jesus down. and, and We know he kind of pulled himself out of the action because where do we find him? We find him in a boat because that's what he does. He's a fisherman. So we find him back on the boat when Jesus comes again to uh, restore him. So Jesus gives them a full catch. So they cook up breakfast on the shore. And I kind of picture it in my mind this way. I don't know if this is true. It doesn't necessarily say this in scripture. But I picture Peter working on his nets, fixing them. And he's down on the ground, and he's working on his nets. And Jesus walks up to him and says to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter looks up from the net and says, Yeah, I love you more than these. And then Jesus, and Peter goes back to his net. And then Jesus says to him again, Peter, do you love me more than these? And this time, Peter looks at him and pauses, and looks at him for a second, and he says, Yeah, yes, Jesus, I love you more than these. And I don't think they break eye contact at that point. I think Jesus looks at him again more deeply and says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And that same kind of, oh my goodness, came, I think came over Peter. And Peter staring at Jesus thinking that psalm, search me, O oh God. Know me. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he tells him a third time, then feed my flock, take care of my sheep. And so what does Peter do? Peter's restoration and blessing sends him and he preaches with power. Thousands of people come to faith as a result of Peter's preaching. You might say Peter changed the world with his preaching because Jesus put a blessing in his life. Jesus is a man of blessing. And I would argue with you that you and I are to be people of blessing. Back in Genesis, Genesis 12 to be exact, um, God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Romans tells us that we have been justified through our faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, we have a new status. We are now right with God. We've been placed into a new family, the family of God, the lineage of Abraham that is meant to be a blessing to the world. So, how do we do that? I tend to ask myself questions, and I hope this is helpful. The first question I would ask is, are my words gentle? Are my words gentle and gracious, actually? Um, Proverbs 15:1 says, a, gent- a gentle answer turns away wrath, but, a harsh- but harsh words stir up anger. Simple to see, really simple to see. Remember with me the last animated conversation you had with somebody. Could be a husband, kid, could be a friend, coworker. But you had an animated conversation with someone did your words turn the volume down or did your words turn the volume up my words often turn the volume up did your words make it cooler or did they heat them up it's easy to see whether our words are gentle or not are our words gracious Um, proverbs 16 24 says gracious words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul and healing to the bone. Sometimes we have to, like I'm realistic, sometimes we have to have hard conversations. Jake talked about that a little bit, right? Praise God for the people who walk up to the train track that you're standing on with a train coming that's gonna arrive in about five minutes at 250 miles an hour. Praise God for the person that says to you, hey Alice, there's a train coming. You need to get off the track. Praise God for those people. I've had many of them. Some people have been so brave and loved me so much that they've gotten on the track with me and they've taken me off the track. Be those people and listen to those people. Sometimes those conversations are hard, but that doesn't mean your words can't be gracious and gentle as you're having those conversations. The second question I ask, or I would suggest that we ask is, are your words healing so Proverbs 12:18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. This is my most unfavorite illustration because it's my most, it's still my most sad illustration. And the illustration is that when my kids were little, they were probably five and seven, maybe six and eight, they were at the end of the lash called my tongue. I don't know what they did, it doesn't matter. Um... But the picture I have seared into my brain is these two precious little girls shrinking physically as I lash them with my words. I don't know what else to say except reckless words pierce. I didn't think about what I was saying. I just let it go. And you can't get those words back. Now, we've, we've talked about those, apologized for those, healed over those. But those words happen. Are your words reckless or is your tongue bringing healing? The last one I'd ask is, do your words bring life? Do your words bring life? Proverbs 15.4 says, The soothing tongue is the tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Those lashing words crushed the spirit of my sweet, precious baby girls. But two years ago, you always have opportunities. As long as we're breathing, we have opportunities. Two years ago, uh, my daughter came to visit over uh, Easter break my youngest daughter, and we always plan big things when she comes because we don't get enough time together. She lives in Maryland. And so we had a mani-pedi planned and a haircut and the whole nine yards. And we, I got up early that morning and she came downstairs and I said, hey, you wanna go grab breakfast before we go off for our day? And she looked at me and she said, I need, a, I need to make a phone call and then I'll be ready to go. And so off she went to the porch to call the guy she was dating at the time. And uh, she came back in, and clearly she had been crying. And I looked at her, and I said, oh, sweetie, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. And I looked at her, and I said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. As the word sorry was being formed and came out of my mouth, I heard the Lord say to me, she's pregnant. And then a very fast conversation happened between me and the Lord. And I don't know how that happens, but we had at least a three-hour conversation in about two seconds. And I came out of the panic and fear and upset with this final, look, Lord, just give me what I need to say. Like, like please help me. And I walked over. According to Amy, I did ask her for, to be able to tell the story. Um, I walked over to Amy with no hesitation, apparently, from her standpoint, put my arms around her and said three things to her over and over and over again. It's going to be okay. Daddy and I love you, and we'll figure it out. And apparently I said that for a long time. Um, And she sobbed, and I cried probably, and she has a memory of that as being a very positive uh, situation, and it was a positive situation, Um, and we got through it. The question is, do my words bring life because at the moment like there was this entire flood of panic or are my words harsh and do they they crush people? The thing I'm most thankful for is that we have Jesus, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in him, have Jesus to help us with this stuff, to help us recover when we don't do it right like when I lash my kid with my tongue, and when we do it right, when we pray and God gives us the right things to say or a a helpful thing to say to the people around us. And I remember, um, as we transition to communion, I remember that so frequently, I need what Jesus has to offer me. I need the cross. So I ask often, for God to help me to see those kinds of things. Because Jesus is the answer. Like, I, I wish, I don't wish it was more complicated. I made it more complicated, but I don't wish it was more complicated. Because on the night be- that before he was to go to the cross, he took bread, if we could take the elements, he took bread and he said to his disciples that this was his body That was going to be broken for us and he said take and eat and said this is the blood of the new covenant take and drink father god you are good you are beyond good father thank you that um, you paid it all for us thank you that you have given us the power of your spirit thank you that You take care of things that are going on all around us uh, without us having to be right there. Uh, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. I thank you for the restoration of life that's available in him. Father, I pray, I beseech you, if there is anyone here that has not placed their faith in you, Father, I pray that they would have heard something or they will ask a question of someone. But Lord, there is nothing better in life than doing life with you. Would you bless us and would you uh, enable us to be faithful servants to you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at MidtownAustin.org.